the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Dozens of teenagers and young adults reportedly coming down with a heart problem shortly after getting their second vaccination. The CDC says it's looking into whether the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine is causing young patients to come down with a condition known as myocarditis, an inflammation of the heart muscle. In dozens of cases, the condition is diagnosed about four days after getting the second dose. The agency says it doesn't know which shot's causing the problem, but they are investigating and they say the condition may even be entirely unrelated to either shot. Ron DeRockster reporting. Authorities say a cable car taking visitors to a mountaintop view of some of Italy's most beautiful lakes plunged to the ground, killing at least nine people, and two children have been hospitalized. Investigation continues the cause not determined as yet. This is SRN News. Hey, it's Mike Gallagher. AM 1280 The Patriot is one of the great radio stations in America. I'm proud and thankful to be broadcasting on this station because 1280 The Patriot is composed of truly terrific people. Whenever I visit the Twin Cities, it's an added bonus to meet the people at this great station. You're too kind. We make a great team. Thanks for sticking with us through the last 20. Here's to 20 more. AM 1280 The Patriot. You're listening to AM 1280 The Patriot. Weather for today, we got a high of 81 and thunderstorms likely throughout the day, moving into a low of 67 for tonight. Tomorrow, a high of 84 and slight chance of thunderstorms throughout the day again with a low of 66. Governor Walz has put an end to the capacity limits and mask mandates. It's time for Twin City small businesses to come back stronger than ever, and we're happy to help. Be sure your product or service is top of mind by contacting us at surroundmsp.com. We'll help create a customized marketing plan that uses your budget to its full potential. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with hour number two of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow us along on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And I am live streaming the broadcast right now, and I'll try not to spill water on myself. (laughs) 
<laughs> this particular hour, but uh, it's it was just water, and I got a darker shirt on, so I'm good. I'm fine. Thanks so much. Uh, did cover a lot of local stuff in the uh, first hour, so I want to get to um, some kind of some national news uh, or some stories that made its way into the national news. Uh, by the way, Jacob, I'm going to be calling for the uh, cut number one with Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago. You may have heard about this. Uh, this was uh, something that the Right Scoop and Fox News uh, picked up regarding uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, Democrat mayor. Uh, this is, uh, yes, Fox News story. Reporters out of Chicago are alleging that Democratic Mayor Lori Lightfoot is now granting interviews only to journalists of color. NBC5 Chicago political reporter Marianne Ahern took to Twitter on Tuesday to mark the midway point of Lightfoot's first term in office and apparently acknowledged her failed effort to land an interview. As uh, And here's the uh, tweet, by the way. As Chicago mayor reaches her two-year uh, midway point as mayor, her spokeswoman says Lightfoot is granting one-on-one interviews only to black or brown journalists. So uh, this was something that said, you know, people replied to this, oh, come on, that's true, or this is just a Fox News story or, you know, the right scoop, these aren't credible, da-da-da. And um, the, uh, I, there was an alderman, George, um, yeah, George Cardenas, he's an alderman in Chicago. He replied to that tweet, says, how can this even be true? The, the, you know, be serious. And, you know, Heather Sharon of NBC, the NBC affiliate in Chicago, said, I can confirm, Alderman. And another Alderman, Brendan Riley, replied, are you kidding? If that's true, that's totally inappropriate. Take a moment to reverse engineer that. The implication being, imagine if that were a white mayor and saying, sorry, I'm only allowing interviews uh, from Whitey. Too bad, so sad. You know, obviously that's, you know, that's a pretty easy retort to have. But, you know, it's it's not quite that simplified, but you know, take it in a different direction. And uh, our former Northern Alliance Radio Network colleague Ed Morrissey uh, talked about this at Hot Air, and you know, I think he hit the nail on the head. He says, "How exactly does Lightfoot and her office plan to execute this policy, even if it's entirely well intended as a way to pr- promote minority hiring in media? You know, do reporters have to submit DNA to prove they're black or brown?" You know, to get an interview, perhaps this has escaped the mayor's notice, but not all, quote unquote, black or brown people have skin tones all that different than people without that ancestry. Not all Hispanics have traditional Hispanic surnames and not all people with traditional Hispanic surnames necessarily identify as Hispanic or Latino. And why only black or brown? Why not Native Americans and Asians? Uh, to absurdum this idiotic reductio to its inevitable conclusion, reporters might end up having to argue that racist one-drop rule just to compete in the Chicago market. Lightfoot has certainly incentivized that outcome with this new standard. Reporters will want to take 23andMe and Ancestry.com DNA tests to see if they can find any claim at all to black or brown ethnicity and then demand access to Lightfoot accordingly. And for that matter, why does Lightfoot think black or brown journalists need special treatment to get ahead? See, this is the what this is that's an excellent point. This is something that I always rail upon is how degrading is that 
to black or brown reporters. Basically saying, well, you're not here because of your merit. Yeah, you got a job as a media person, but you're only here because of the color of your skin, not because you can do necessarily do your job. Well, I mean, you might be a fine reporter, but, you know, first and foremost, you're only here because of the color of your skin. How, how is that any better? You know, how, how is that even appropriate? And again, you know, Ed brings up a great point. How is this even enforced? I have no idea. And, you know, when this got out, obviously the mayor was under some pretty intense scrutiny. Here's about a minute and a half uh, clip from uh, Mayor Laura Lightfoot. This was an NBC5 news story uh, talking to the mayor herself. So, Jacob, if we have that, cut number one. I think in this one day, when we are uh, looking at uh, the two-year anniversary of my inauguration, as a woman of color, um, as a, a lesbian, it's important to me that diversity is put front and center. Mayor Lori Lightfoot defending her most unusual decision to only invite black and brown journalists to her office for one-on-one interviews. The move infuriated the mostly white City Hall press corps. The outrage exploded on Twitter. One Latino newspaper reporter wrote he agreed to the sit-down but backed out to make a point. If I, as the black woman mayor, the first ever, don't challenge us, the collective us, to do better, um, to really make sure that in every institution it reflects the diversity and nuance and texture of our city, then shame on me. Mayor Lightfoot is known to clash with opponents or those who question her. Reporting on leaked emails revealed the mayor, upset about critical reporting and commentary, canceled a Chicago Tribune subscription. There are some folks you've been feuding with, some of them my, my white colleagues. Some people look at this as, as sort of a payback. It has nothing to do with that. The facts are the facts. Look at the people who cover City Hall. Charles Thomas knows the City Hall beat well as a former television political reporter. He says although newsroom diversity is an important topic, he questions the mayor's timing. This is a distraction. Instead of talking about crime, talking about disarray in her administration, talking about education, talking about city finances, we're talking about this. Amen. And really, when you think about it, all of this talk about intersectionality in general is just to distract from a larger point. I mean, did you hear how Mayor Lightfoot, who was obviously black, threw in there the fact that she's a lesbian too? You know, check another box on the intersectionality scorecard. Because they look at it as a way to insulate themselves from criticism. Well, how dare you? You know, the first uh, uh, minority lesbian to ever serve as a Chicago mayor. You know, as if that's supposed to give you some sort of extra credibility. Because you've had extra struggles in your life. You're more qualified for that particular position than, than someone who hasn't struggled as much. And that's what this, that's what this intersectionality is all about. And, it, and it's taking away from serious issues. It's like, okay, fine. You know, you're, you're, the, first, uh, you're the first female, uh, you're the first uh, minority lesbian mayor that Chicago's ever had. Great. What are we doing to address rampant crime? How, how is it, you know, you got the job, you, 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 won, you won the election, so you deserve to be there. Great. So what do we, now that you're there, what are we doing about the issues with this city? And by the way, good for that Hispanic reporter who uh, opted out of, in, of the one-on-one interview. Okay, because these journalists, you know, for as much criticism as we levy upon journalists, at least they stuck together and recognize it for what it is. This is an insult to our profession. The implication being that our white colleagues 
can't do as good a job one-on-one? Or maybe that's not even the point. In fact, in reading stories about this, that's absolutely not the point. This isn't a, a meritorious move by any stretch of the imagination. And so how ins- so I get back to how insulting is that to those that she deems you know worthy of being black or brown? How insulting is that to them where if they get a one-on-one interview, first and foremost, the only reason they're there is because of the color of their skin. Do these black and brown reporters not work hard to get into the position they're in and they achieve their position on merit and the stories they report and the content they put forth? Do you think they want to be based more on the content that they put forth in their news reports, whether it's a a newspaper piece, published column, or a television report, television hit? Do you think they want to be judged more on that than the color of their skin? I, you know... Again, I'm in no position to speak for these people, but if I were a betting man, I'd say, yeah, they want to be judged more on the content they put forth. That almost seems like I've heard that somewhere. Content of their, uh, not work, but character. Content of their character rather than the color of their skin. Hmm. Seems I've heard that before. I I, I mean, I I just don't understand how this could be uh, allowed to stand. And again, the mayor was dug in her heels and said, you know, that we, we have to demand better. Well, okay, you can do both. You can demand that there be more diversity in the press corps because, as, they, as the story indicated, the press corps covering the, the uh, mayor is mostly white. And that's perfectly appropriate to say, hey, we need more diversity. You can't tell me that there are not more Hispanics or, or black people who are qualified to be journalists that could do that job. That, that's perfectly fine. But to cut off access to white people because there's just too many of them, I, I, I just don't understand that philosophy. You know, the strive because we've heard for for decades the very noble cause about the strive for equality, where they should have have equal opportunity. Black people and Hispanic people, whomever, should have equal opportunity at these jobs. And again, who could be who who could who can dispute that? I can't dispute that. But equality doesn't mean cutting off people that are qualified to be there because they're white. I mean, how does that help the cause? How does that further the overall cause of equality? Holding somebody back from achieving something, uh, that's not a that's not helping the cause. That's not noble at all. So again, I they didn't say the Hispanic reporter's name that opted out of the one on one interview to, to to make a point, but I, I can't applaud that person loudly enough. Because they're standing up for their industry. And again, as, and it, like I say, as much as we're critical of reporters in the media on this show, all right, they were willing to at least stand up for what they felt was right, saying, hey, I got this job not because I'm a Hispanic, because I'm a, I'm a damn good reporter, and I can say the same about all my white colleagues. So I'm not, I'm not down with this. And, and kudos to that person. Again, I don't think that person was named. But, uh, yeah, with all the backlash the mayor has received, I don't see how this is going to be able to uh, – this is going to be uh, sustainable going forward. And, again, she's already has a reputation for having a very contentious relationship with the media because they don't report on her administration um, in a flattering light because when you have the rampant crime that you do in the city of Chicago, and that just seems to be getting out of control, I mean, what we're seeing – 
here, what we've seen here in Minneapolis the past few weeks is something that happens routinely in Chicago as well, and it's not getting any better. Um, that's fair game to report on, and the fact she takes issue with that, I think, you, despite her emphatic denials, I think you could ascertain that, yeah, that probably had a little bit to do with it, how she's being covered. 651-289-4488, that is the number to call. You can weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Brad Carlson, the closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. I hear the clock at 6 a.m. I feel so far from where I've been. Whoa. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. relieffactor.com. This is the Entertainment Answer. Looking for a little lift to your spirit? Well, this summer, take the ride of a lifetime. From the studio that brought you How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, DreamWorks Animation presents Spirit Untamed. This animated feature is rated PG and hits theaters June 4th. And we encourage you to continue to check out theentertainmentanswer.com as we'll have behind-the-scenes features, trailers, and a lot more around the fantastic release of Spirit Untamed. And, of course, for everything you need on the entertainment side, it's theentertainmentanswer.com. Do you want to work with a Patriot-owned company that will take care of you when the storm hits? Call Estate Claim Services. Estate Claim Services will work directly with your insurance company to determine the full scope of repairs needed for your project. They will conduct a free comprehensive inspection to make sure that all important details to repair your roof are included. Estate Claim Services will work around the clock to provide you with superior customer service. In fact, they have built their reputation by being accessible. When you need answers about your roofing project, you can call them anytime, day or night, and they'll respond. If you have storm damage or the next time a storm hits, contact Estate Claim Services. Check out their online reviews and A-plus rating by the Better Business Bureau. Estate Claim Services, a local Patriot-owned company specializing in roofing, siding, and window replacement, providing outstanding labor and material warranty. You can trust that Estate Claim Services will be around long after the work is done. Find them online at estateclaimservices.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, and iHeartRadio. They go together like freedom and the Second Amendment. Listen at iHeart.com or with the free iHeartRadio mobile app. Welcome back. AM1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. 
651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. And we are live streaming the broadcast on our Facebook page. Just do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network on Facebook. And feel free to follow along. Uh, speaking of uh, media sagas, pol- uh, politics, uh, or specifically politicians and media stories colliding, we have a uh, story of the Cuomo brothers. Uh, this is from a uh, Washington Post story. CNN anchor Chris, Chris Cuomo uh, has, or excuse me, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo advised his brother. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and senior members of the governor's staff on how to respond to sexual harassment allegations made earlier this year by women who had worked with the governor, according to four people familiar with the discussions. The cable news anchor encouraged his brother to take a defiant position and not to resign from the governor's office, the people said. At one point, he used the phrase cancel culture as a reason to hold firm in the face of the allegations. Two people present on one call had indicated. The behind-the-scenes strategy offered by Chris Cuomo, who anchors CNN's 9 p.m. nightly newscast, cuts against the widely accepted norm in journalism that those reporting the news should not be involved in politics. If you are actively advising a politician in trouble while being on air, while being an on-air host of a news network, that's not okay, said Nicholas Lehman a professor at Columbia Journalism School and a New York staff, New Yorker staff writer. Well, a couple things with this. First of all, this, this should really come as no surprise, especially since at the height of the pandemic, when Andrew Cuomo was being labeled as, you know, the exemplary leader during the pandemic at the very beginning, and some even speculated, you know what? They could kind of make a last-minute play to have Andrew Cuomo be the Democrat candidate to take on Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential election. You know, because Joe Biden, there's like, well, you know, Joe Biden was kind of the, um, you know, kind of the most moderate choice or the most electable choice because Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, from a policy perspective, are insane. You know, so we'll put forth uh, uh, Joe Biden. But it was very clear that Joe Biden when he was calling a lid at 10 a.m. every day during the campaign, that he just was not up to a long, grueling campaign. And so, as a result, they were proposing that Andrew Cuomo step in because, you know, he's a, a bare-knuckle brawler, so to speak, like Trump, and could easily hit back a Trump. And, you know, the narrative was Trump has had such an inept, poor response to the pandemic, whereas Andrew Cuomo was this exemplary leader. But then it was pretty much becoming an open secret that why are all these elderly people dying in long-term care facilities? And it turns out that the Cuomo administration was even trying to cover that up. And it turns out they were undercounting those numbers. But yet, that didn't stop Chris Cuomo from yucking it up with his brother every night on his program, including when uh, Andrew Cuomo got tested, you know, the test where you did the swab up the nose, you know, Chris Cuomo making front of his older brother's big nose saying, hey, did they have to use one of these big, huge, extra-large cotton swabs? You know, kind of yucking it up. Ha-ha, very funny. While people are mourning the loss of their parents and grandparents 
dying in long-term care facilities because, hey, here's a good idea to save hospital space. Let's put COVID-infected patients in long-term care facilities. Brilliant. <clears throat> but I digress. So my point is, this isn't really a surprise that Chris Cuomo is doing everything to save his brother's skin. It isn't. But the problem is, if you are going to cover certain issues, like, i.e., the Me Too issue, how are you going to be a credible voice on that? You know, how can you, in one hand, say, you know, Brett Kavanaugh, because of a 35-year-old uncorroborated allegation, is not fit to serve on the Supreme Court because, he, you know, he liked to tip a few in college, but yet a sitting governor of one of the biggest states in the union has multiple allegations against him. We got enough of this cancel culture. Bottom dollar, Chris Cuomo invoked cancel culture because he thought he would get, he thought he could paint conservatives as hypocrites because it's more, it's more conservatives that are being the victim of this. Okay. And when we say cancel culture, we're talking about, you know, some, well, it was rampant, particularly for athletes, you know, like Heisman trophy winners or, Guys were participating in a Major League Baseball All-Star game. People would plow through their Twitter feeds from 10, 12 years earlier and see stupid stuff they wrote as teenagers, but now as adults, we need to hold them accountable for that. Okay, that that's that's what that's what people mean by cancel culture. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're basically gonna uh discharge you from polite society because you wrote stupid stuff as a teenager. Okay, that's what cancel culture is, not a a 50-something-year-old governor who should know that propositioning women that are not his girlfriend or his wife um, is inappropriate regardless of who you are, but you're a sitting governor. So if we've got that that audio ready, this is uh, Chris Cuomo from last Thursday answering the charges from this Washington Post story. Cut number two, Chris, Chris Cuomo on his CNN program Thursday night. If you would, allow me a moment. If you'll remember, I told you back in the beginning of March, I can't cover my brother's troubles. It wouldn't be fair. And you got it then, and I appreciate you understanding. Now, today, there are stories out there about me offering my brother advice. Of course I do. This is no revelation. I have said it publicly, and I certainly have never hidden it. I can be objective about just about any topic but not about my family. Those of you who watch this show get it. Like you, I bet my family means everything to me. And I am fiercely loyal to them. I'm family first, job second. But being a journalist and a brother to a politician is unique and a unique challenge. And I have a unique responsibility to balance those roles. It's not always easy. People can say and write what they want, but I want you to know the truth. How I helped my brother also matters. When my brother's situation became turbulent, being looped into calls with other friends of his and advisors that did include some of his staff, I understand why that was a problem for CNN. It will not happen again. It was a mistake because I put my colleagues here who I believe are the best in the business in a bad spot. I never intended for that. I would never intend for that. And I am sorry 
for that. It's also important for you to understand, not only do I not cover this here, I've never tried to influence this network's coverage of my brother. In fact, I've been walled off from it. This is a unique and difficult situation, and that's okay. I know where the line is. I can respect it and still be there for my family, which I must. I have to do that. I love my brother. I love my family. I love my job. And I love and respect my colleagues here at CNN. And again, to them, I am truly sorry. You know who I am. You know what I'm about. And I want this to be said in public to you who give me the opportunity and to my colleagues who make me better at what I do. Okay, so Chris Cuomo, uh, in a statement that was released uh, through CNN.com, the revelation that Cuomo had advised his brother vexed staffers inside CNN. Multiple CNN staffers said they were bothered by Cuomo's conduct and the violation of traditional journalistic standards. Journalists typically do not engage in politics so that they can cover the news in an impartial matter. But yet, Cuomo is not going to face any discipline from this. Why not? Well, I, I think I think the reason is obvious. It's because CNN allowed him to interview his brother during the height of the pandemic multiple times. And Governor Andrew Cuomo was on his younger brother's CNN show many, many times during the height of the pandemic, including when Chris himself had COVID and was doing broadcasts from his basement. And allegations were coming out about the dereliction of duty when it came to long-term care facilities. And CNN allowed it. So if they were to discipline Como, Cuomo after this, then to them, that's a tacit admission that, well, yeah, we were wrong in allowing him to yuck it up with uh, with older brother Andrew during the height of the pandemic. And they didn't want to do that. So how ironic was it that when Chris Cuomo was making that statement this past Thursday night, that was the one-year anniversary of where he had the big cotton swab mocking his brother's big nose after getting the COVID test. Uh, a little poetic, poetic justice here, I would say. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Okay, folks, it's time to turn screen time into dream time, vision boards into action plans, and some days into todays. Minnesota is home to more than 10,000 lakes, 130 waterfalls, 22 registered scenic byways, and two designated dark sky sanctuaries. It's a place where Prince reigns king and dining is divine. So whether you're looking for the northern lights or city lights, Monet or Chardonnay, find your true north only in Minnesota. ExploreMinnesota.com. Through generations of fighting, anger, and pain, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is still one of the most contentious and misunderstood issues of our time. Raising the question, is it possible to truly love your enemy? In the new film, Hope in the Holy Land, filmmaker Todd Moorhead discovers the truth behind the headlines and misinformation with personal stories from Jews, Muslims, and Christians in their own words, offering a beautifully produced, politically nuanced, and morally sensitive look at both sides of the conflict. Bishop Kenneth Ulmer says the movie is embarrassingly enlightening. 
Ambassador Michael Oren calls it a candid, courageous journey through the complexities of the conflict. Hope in the Holy Land takes an honest look at the history and history in the making as you've never seen before. Don't miss Hope in the Holy Land. Available now at SalemNow.com. Watch this film and pass it on. Go to SalemNow.com today. Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you will receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, EVRcleaning.com. Remember, forever cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. Want to enroll your child in Christian school this fall for half the cost? TwinCitiesTuitions.com is joined with area private schools to offer half-off tuition for your child's first year. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, you'll see our partnering schools, an interactive map to find one in your area, and frequently asked questions about the program. Now more than ever, it's important for your child to have a biblical worldview. Get details about the half-off Christian tuition program at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Welcome back. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And again, we're live streaming the broadcast on our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network and find us there. And feel free to comment. Or, qu- or leave a question as well. And as always, appreciate you tuning in. Going to switch gears a little bit here. Going to continue to talk about the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Of course, we've uh, talked a lot about the prospect of uh, vaccine passports, basically to prove in order to cease wearing a mask, you have to prove you're vaccinated. One state in particular has decided to implement that particular policy. This is from the Oregonian uh, talking about, obviously, their state of Oregon. Uh, they will allow people to go maskless outside, but will require them to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and be able to prove it to forego masks in most public indoor settings. So I believe uh, Oregon is the first state to actually make it mandatory that you show proof of vaccination. Uh, again, the CDC issued guidance last week saying that if you are fully vaccinated, you can issue... we. Can, we can say that you can eschew wearing masks indoors. Uh, some private businesses may choose not to do that, but in the case of Oregon, private businesses are being mandated to uh, verify vaccination status. And here to talk about that uh, is Jason uh, Dudash. He is the Oregon State Director of Freedom Foundation. Again, check out their fine work at their website, freedomfoundation.com. He, again, he's right up there in Oregon, so he could probably give us a little bit more insight of what is taking place 
up there. Uh, Jason Dudash, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network, sir. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Brad. It's a pleasure. So uh, is this this is official then? Uh, has this been handed down by executive fiat? Was it something the legislature approved? Uh, vaccine passports in the state of Oregon? What can you tell us about that, Jason? So this is guidance that's coming from the Oregon Health Authority. Um, it was released on May 18th and effective immediately. Um, so I think you mentioned one headline from the Oregonian. They had another one that was pretty good over the weekend that says this guidance gives businesses in Oregon two options, both of them bad. Mm. And uh, that's exactly right. You know, the um, businesses can now either keep the mask mandate in place for everybody, um, which is at odds with CDC guidance, or they need to um, put together a form of verification for all of their patrons coming into their business to make sure that everybody is fully vaccinated and has proof of that. Um, which is also terrible. Um, and, you know, this is just a really interesting thing because, as you mentioned, we are the first and only state to do this. And I can assure you from experience that that's not because our governor is smarter than everybody else. Right. It's because that everybody else realizes this is a terrible idea. So now this was a uh, recommendation handed down, uh, again, Governor Kate Brown of Oregon. Was this a recommendation handed down that she could have either uh, she could have declined to to implement this. I mean, I mean, she's a she's a chief executive, so I'm assuming she could have declined to implement mm-hmm. it and did not. What was her rationale for this? There has been none. So the, the like I said, the state implemented this on the, on the same day of its release. Okay. Um, they have not provided a single piece of data um, to say you know what this uh, guidance aims to accomplish or what it aims to mitigate or you know how long it's supposed to be in place. Um, there's absolutely no reason to do this as you can't, I think, I don't think you can argue that it's going to lower case levels or, or increase vaccination rates by any means. And experience over the last year tells us that what this will do um, is place additional burdens on our already struggling business, uh, violate our citizens' right to privacy, and unnecessarily, and I'd argue maliciously, um, pit neighbor against neighbor. Right. Well, so uh, what is your organization's involvement with this? I mean, I would, I would have to, I would have to believe this doesn't stand. You know, I'm no. Again, I emphasize practically every week when talking about issues like this. I am no legal beagle, but I, I can't imagine this would pass any kind of constitutional muster. Is there lawsuits in place? And I guess what what role does your organization play in this, Jason Dudash? Well, I assume you said my read my statement. Um, we were the first to file a litigation against the governor for her mask mandate, um, and I would like to give her some opportunity to rescind this before it really gets off the ground. Um, if she fails to do that, then we will be taking her to court on this as well. Um, and I think that, you know, so far the response to this has just been mass confusion. Um, you know, businesses in Oregon, they're looking at, at like five different metrics um, from the city level, from the county level, from the state, um, all of which are almost always at odds with what we're being told from the federal level, from the White House and the CDC. Right. And so, you know, last week the CDC says, all right, no masks, everybody's um, we can move forward, get back to normal. And then so there was a three or four day waiting period of Oregonians taking off their masks, getting back to normal. And then the state comes out and says, actually, 
we're going to have this vaccine passport in place. And um, a lot of businesses just don't know what to do with that yet, because if you just look at it at face value, yeah, you're exactly right. It seems wrong. It seems like something you can't do. Um, So right now, a lot of businesses are opting to just keep their mask mandates in place. Um, and err on the side of caution rather than violating everybody's civil rights. And that's a great segue. I guess that was my next question is, you know, I would think for some businesses, and I think uh, some stories, and it may have been in uh, your organization's statement as well, have indicated like, you know, high traffic businesses like grocery stores. I mean, that would be very cumbersome to try to check everybody's vaccine uh, paperwork if indeed they weren't wearing a mask. And then it gets to the point where, mm-hmm. you know, there's lines out the door and it just... I don't see how this is enforceable, so I'm, I'm glad you clarify that, that it seems like most businesses are probably just going to say it's easier to keep the mask mandate in place. Yeah, I mean, it's not illogical because you got to look at this through the picture of what we've witnessed through the last year, right, where businesses in Oregon have been at the mercy of the governor's, what I refer to as her yo-yo business model, where, you know, one day you're open, the next day you're closed, the next day you're open for 25% capacity, the next day it's only outside, the next day it's closed again. And so right now, everybody right now, you know, is still trying to hiring. There's no way that we can get enough staff for businesses already because we're currently still paying them more to stay at home than to get a job. And so it's on, on top of all that, these businesses that have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last year, you know, playing this game, building the outdoor structures, hiring extra employees, then firing extra employees, yada, 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 all of that. And now the governor's coming in to say, all right, folks, I need you to find, you know, one, two, maybe three full-time uh, positions to implement this vaccine passport verification system. And no, I'm not going to pay you for it. And no, I'm not going to give you any assistance with any issues you have it. You just need to do it or else I'm going to send in my henchmen from the OLCC and OSHA and whatever other agency I can weaponize to come in and break your backs. And that's just not a very friendly business environment. Do you uh, know offhand, Jason, uh, what your uh, vaccination rate is in your particular state? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. if we're going to talk about following the science when, you know, when most executives put, you know, hand down their ham fisted mandates, you know, in our state here, our governor has those emergency powers and, you know, very arbitrary, like what you're enduring in Oregon. Uh, The one thing they always talk about, well, we're following the science. Well, if we're following the science, what what we're seen is that once vaccinations reach a certain percentage that there is the potential for herd immunity because not every single solitary person has to be vaccinated so i at to that end do you happen to know what your vaccination rate is in your state and if so wouldn't it be high enough to maybe uh where people who decide not to wear masks and also not be vaccinated aren't is that high risk yeah, so last last I looked, um, roughly 50% of Oregonians, this was last week, were fully vaccinated, first and second dose, plus the two weeks. Um, the governor has a metric of when most of these uh, things will be somewhat rescinded, that when Oregonians 16 and over can get to 70, 70%, 70% mm-hmm. of Oregonians 16 and over get at least their first shot, then the economy can, quote, mostly reopen. And I guess we'll see what hap- what that means when, when we get there. But um, as far as that metric goes, we were about 63% last week. So we're 7% short um, of that so far, and she expects we'll reach that by the end of the month. So I guess uh, what about now this, uh, you know, you've, you've talked about the, the lawsuit that is being brought forth 
normally some suits they they there can be a, a stay issued. We're saying okay, we can't we're not going to fully implement this particular law, this particular mandate until until it's heard before a judge. Is mm-hmm. that the is that the case here, or is the law just in place until uh, it um, can be say overturned in a lawsuit? What's the status, I guess, from that standpoint? Yeah, so it's it's law of the land right now, and uh, okay. keep in mind all of this is under the guise of her executive authority, which I would say is questionable at best. Um, there is multiple lawsuits um, from several different organizations. Chow has been in a, quote, state of emergency for 14 months now. Um, and it keeps getting extended, 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 which in theory gives her the authority to do this. But um, we think that the way that these orders are implemented is not following the Oregon Constitution. Um, and we expect when that um, these court cases get heard that we'll be successful in them. But uh, the state has so far just filed extensions, you know, and I think that's a pretty good strategy uh, to just keep kicking the can down the road until, you know, officially the uh, the issue is moot and they don't really have to worry about it anymore. So what are you personally seeing as a resident up there, Jason, and, and going into these businesses? Are, I mean, are citizens at you know at least sympathetic to the plight of the business owners that say you know what it's much too cumbersome to check vaccine passports we're going to keep a mask mandate in place Uh, are you finding that your fellow oregonians are, are are sympathetic and therefore being willing to go along at this point i mean i guess how is this shaking out I personally have not gone to a business yet that has requested to see my vaccination status. Okay. Um, I do have a friend, and also a state representative here from Southern Oregon, who texted me and said that he wasn't allowed to go to his gym because he didn't want to see his vaccine card. And, you know, I just I really think that this is going to be the thing where people don't budge. Um, that I and I, I think that that's entirely justified. Um, I would encourage businesses not to do this. Um, do not ask people for their private medical information. Um, and those that do, I would encourage citizens not to patronize those businesses. We cannot turn into a, a society where you must carry a credential to participate. Um, that is completely antithetical to everything that America is supposed to stand for. And I would hope that Americans will not stand for that. So what are some of the, I mean, Specifically, what are some of the repercussions these businesses face? Because I, you know, I, I agree with you. I have a feeling there may be some businesses are saying, look, enough is enough. We're going to go on the honor system here. Those who are not vaccinated, we request you can you continue to wear the mask. But if you are fully vaccinated, you're, you're welcome here. Um, so from that standpoint, if businesses do go that route and decide to go with the honor system and thus are found out, uh, what kind of repercussions are they going to face? Are they similar to opening when there was mandatory shutdowns? I mean, do you know that uh, particular factoid, Jason Dudash? Yeah, again, it will depend on the business, which agency will come in. But she's been very clear that um, she has every intention of doing the same thing that she's done over the last year, using OSHA, using the OLCC um, to enforce, enforce her dictates. Um, and those can be very expensive fines. Um, the Freedom Foundation is also representing several businesses um, that did not close um, during that against OSHA appealing those fines, and I expect that we'll be successful. Um, so it depends on, I think, geographically as well. Um, OSHA seems to have a bit more teeth in some of the more urban areas and not so much in the rural Um but we'll just time will tell. But I really think that especially because, again, we're the only state doing this, um, that there's a lot of ground to stand on when you take some of these fines before a judge. 
Once again, we've been joined by Jason Dudash. He, the Oregon State Director of Freedom Foundation. Check out their fine website, freedomfoundation.com. Uh, Jason, we're going to wrap up here. Any other uh, areas where folks can follow along? I imagine people are going to be paying rapt attention to this uh uh, particular these particular lawsuits and these uh, particular mandates, specifically as you alluded to, because it is the only state in the union doing such a thing. Where is the best place for people to follow along and uh, keep updated on this? Yeah, see us on freedomfoundation.com online and Freedom Foundation on all social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Fantastic. Uh, Jason, we appreciate your time today. Uh, best of luck to you and your organization, and uh, appreciate you standing in the gap. Not that you have a lot of choices. It was kind of sprung upon you by your governor, <laughs> but we appreciate you taking the fight to it, and uh, this is obviously going to implement a lot of other states or uh, affect a lot of other states in the union what's ultimately decided here. So appreciate the time today, sir. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. AM 12A to the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. One final segment coming up on the broadcast. Do go nowhere. AM 12A to the Patriot. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 12A to the Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. High school sports are as American as apple pie. And going to a game or meet is a chance to see the stars of tomorrow shine today. But as anybody who's ever attended a high school sporting event in Minnesota knows, you can't have the stars without the stripes. High schools are currently looking for new officials in almost every sport. Who looks good in stripes? Anybody looking for a way to stay connected to a sport they love? If you like the idea of giving back to your community while earning a few extra bucks, chances are you'd look good in stripes too. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. No officials means no games. No stripes means no stars. And what kind of America would that be? Minnesota needs more high school officials. Go to highschoolofficials.com to sign up or learn more. That's highschoolofficials.com. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing don't wait another day take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print you've already written a book so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to dorns publishing and get your free guide to publishing call right now 800-482-8399 800-482-8399 that's 800-482-8399 Are you the principal or leader of a Christian or Catholic school? Would you like to fill the empty seats in your classrooms for no cash out of pocket? TwinCitiesTuitions.com would like to team up with you on our tuition program for first-year students. You'll be part of a marketing campaign to raise awareness about your school and gain new students for next year and beyond. Again, at no cash investment for your school. Get details by logging on to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. 
In an era of fake news and misleading headlines, turn to a leader in accurate reporting, townhall.com. Get caught up with today's top stories, find brilliant commentary from our columnists, and have a laugh with our political cartoons at townhall.com. Welcome back. AM1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Me, Brad Carlson, one final segment on the broadcast. Hey, folks, uh, don't forget our May Regnery Book of the Month is The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. That's a book by Jack Phillips. Uh, Why not just make the cake? Well, this question has been asked countless times since 2012 when Jack told two men he wouldn't make a custom cake for their same-sex wedding. The baker lost every case in defense of his actions all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court where they ruled in his favor in 2018. So read this book and discover one man's battle for his livelihood, faith, and principles, all in the face of public scrutiny and even death threats. So you can win an autographed copy of the book by signing up now at the Freedom Insider Club at am1280thepatriot.com. And don't forget, Regnery Publishing is a division of Salem Media Group. Once again, the book is entitled The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court by Jack Phillips. That is our May book of the month. My wife and I have made a vow if we ever get to that area down in Colorado, uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop, or I believe is the name of the business, uh, we're going to we're going to uh, frequent it and uh, patronize that uh, bakery. Uh, and I imagine a lot of other people have done the same thing, too. Uh, but if my wife and I ever get down there, yeah, take it to the bank. We're, we're, we're heading down there to support Jack in any way we can. Uh, fascinating discussion uh, with uh, Jason Dudash, again, the Oregon State Director of Freedom Foundation. Check out their fine work, freedomfoundation.com. Uh, you know, it's it's been talked about that, you know, the states, because individual states with states' rights have the ability to you know, implement their own laws, statutes, whatever, uh, and, you know, within reason, of course, uh, within the con- obviously within the context of con- constitutional law. They can't just go wild. I, I, I understand that. But, you know, they talk about, you know, these uh, 50 states, each are, you know, 50 different laboratories for democracy. And I think what we're seeing here is Oregon being the first state in the union to implement this vaccine passport, um, how it's going to probably fail spectacularly. And others, I mean, most other states, uh, you know, no other state has done this. And I'm not sure if other states are considering doing this. I know Governor Walls, again, as much criticism as we heap upon Governor Walls in this show, to his credit, has been resistant to even address or consider vaccine passports. And I'm, you know, I, I asked uh, Jason about that very thing. You know, what what's the mindset of the citizens? You know, what are they doing? I mean, are, are they sympathetic to the plight of these business owners, because particularly small business owners like, you know, small restaurants, cafes, gyms, you know, not that not, you know, not the franchise type gyms, but, you know, little gyms like, for instance, where my wife and I work out up and where we live up in Ramsey. You know, we go we go to an independently owned gym and we wore a mask whenever we went in there. Now, it it was kind of it was kind of an arbitrary thing. You know, you didn't have to wear one when you're working out because it's really kind of hard to run in the treadmill and wear a mask. Okay, because they probably didn't want uh, any kind of liability issues on your hand, uh, potential liability issues on their hands. If you like pass out while you're running, I mean, that just is counterproductive. But the point is, is I, I always took the, took the tactic. 
if it's a private business and they request you do something, you know, you have the choice to say, yeah, I'll, I'll follow along or say, no, I don't want to do that. So therefore I won't patronize your business. But in this, in the case of what's going on in Oregon here, my mindset would be, I want to help these businesses. And if I have to wear a mask, you know, sitting down to at a restaurant, obviously I take the mask off to eat and drink. I mean, it's just common sense, but I'll put it back on right away. I want to do it because I realize they are put in an untenable position. And yeah, I think you are definitely going to see businesses who are, who are going to be like, you know what, we, we're, we're going to put up, uh, we're going to recommend that people wear masks. I mean, you can't address it publicly. You know, you can't put a sign in your establishment saying, if you're not vaccinated, please wear a mask. But if you're, if you're fully vaccinated, you know, you don't necessarily have to, because that's running afoul of, <coughs> excuse me, what Governor Kate Brown has put in place in Oregon. But I have a feeling the way a lot of the citizens have come together on this, that that's the tactic they're going to take. They're going to show support for these businesses as much as they can. But then on the other hand, there's going to be some taking the tactic, you know what? No, I'm not going to go to any of these places. If I have to order online, whatnot, okay, I, I, I'm fully vaccinated. I've done what I've been asked to do. But yet I can't resume life as normal, even though we've been told, hey, you get that. You know, even the president of the United States, you know, he didn't put it very, uh, very charismatically. Okay, but he said, you know, you got two choices. Either get vaccinated or wear a mask. So the implication is, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Well, all of a sudden, you get these draconian mandates handed down through these vaccine passports in the state of Oregon. So this is going to be worth keeping an eye upon. Again, freedomfoundation.com. You want to follow along because they're really spearheading this lawsuit uh, in the state of Oregon. So, folks, as always, I've enjoyed it. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. I am out next week, but I will be back the following Sunday, June 6th. Look forward to rejoining you then. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week. Are you the principal or leader of a Christian or Catholic school? Would you like to fill the empty seats in your classrooms for no cash out of pocket? TwinCitiesTuitions.com would like to team up with you on our tuition program for first-year students. You'll be part of a marketing campaign to raise awareness about your school and gain new students for next year and beyond. Again, at no cash investment for your school. Get details by logging on to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Hi, this is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. I've been thinking lately about the biblical principle of headship. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. One way to think about headship or authority is like an umbrella. If you're under a good authority figure, it's like standing under an umbrella during the rain. It's your job to stand under the umbrella, and it's the umbrella's job to protect you from the rain. Biblical authority is like a good umbrella. It won't leak or move, and it provides shelter. Our job as believers is to submit to biblical authority figures God has placed in our life, as long as it doesn't go against God's Word. Here at the Kingdom Builders, we don't sell umbrellas, but we do install shingle roofs. If you have a roofing need or want to talk about God's Word, please give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. Arby's Computer Service.
You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. With Memorial Day right around the corner, you are about to be bombarded with mattress ads, all claiming to have the best deal. Here's why America's Mattress in Apple Valley should be at the top of your list. First, they're locally owned. You'll either talk to Scooter or Neil, so you're guaranteed to talk to a sleep expert, not some newbie that doesn't care what mattress you buy. They offer the guaranteed lowest price on the industry's top brands, and they consistently provide five-star service. America's Mattress checks all the boxes, so check them out today. AM 1280, The Patriot, WWTC.